listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. I got to turn my mic on. Imagine that. Buttons are hard. Uh, it is 8.18 and it is time for Counterpoint. And tonight we are joined by Mike Van Solen. He is with Navigator. And we're also joined by David Wills. He is, oh, I get your title right, Senior VP of Media Profiles, Strategic Communications, as well as a political campaign strategist. Hi, guys. Um, let's talk a little bit about Justin Trudeau in, da- in Davos today, uh, revising the TPP deal without the United States. And uh, it's, I guess, raised a few uh, you know, questions. Does this mean, David, that uh, NAFTA's dead? Is this a good signal of that? Well, you know, I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I think it's the devil is going to be in the detail uh, that has not really come out yet. So we've we've heard from the auto sector and they came out swinging. Yep. Uh, so we're looking at that. Uh, if you look at the conspiracy theorists and everybody who's speculating online, there is these, oh, he's got one deal in his pocket so he can use this as leverage against NAFTA or if NAFTA fails, he at least got one. But that is all just, you know, people looking for shooters on every grassy little bump, right? So. Well, he, and look, I mean, Mr. Trump made it known that he does not like TPP and he's, he pulled out right away. So when you're negotiating with a guy like Trump uh, and you kind of resurrect the TPP, which I happen to think is a good trade deal that Canada needs, um, does he risk then further, you know, giving that one excuse maybe that Trump would need to pull out? I don't think it changes the dynamics of NAFTA at all. It may help the country, you know, it, it it suggests that we're coming from a position of strength. We have other partners that we can work with. But I still think with respect to the NAFTA, Canada has to make the case for why the U.S. should stay in it, why the deal is working for the people of the United States and why the deal works for the people of Canada. And other trade deals on the side are are completely that. They're, they are uh, to the side of anything that's taking place with respect to NAFTA. Uh, Kathleen Wynne, the premier, weighed in uh, yeah. on this, and, and I, you know, she she says if she has anything to do with it, she'll protect um, auto auto manufacturing uh, workers. Of course, they're they're a big part of her vote. Uh, but really, why would she be sticking her nose in this? And should she? Well, I think you're gonna you're, you'll see that a lot of premiers are putting you know their hey look over here whether it's you know hog producers in Quebec. Um, you know, protecting manufacturing and auto in Ontario. It is her job. Uh, she has to champion for that. It's a big part of the Ontario economy. So I think her wading in and voicing her opinion and putting pressure on there is what's part of what she should be doing. I think it's a little rich for Kathleen Wynne to stand up for the auto sector now. <laughs> um, you know, what is what is burdening the auto sector in Ontario is energy rates, is, is yeah. one of the number one concerns that they raise all the time. I know folks in the sector. The the cost that they, the burden of hydroelectric, high electricity rates in Ontario to manufacturing compared to other jurisdictions is, is uh, by orders of many magnitude uh, greater. And if there's something that she could do to help keep manufacturing in this in this province is is to undo uh, sort of the poor energy policy that they've been trotting out for years and years now, you know. And I'll, I'll hold up the example of Germany. Even Germany, which has a, a, pr- a progressive economy that ha- has a lot of renewable uh, energy, 
they've decided that the that they're not going to burden their manufacturing industrial sector with those costs. Those costs of putting in wind power and solar in, in, into Germany are borne by average ratepayers because that's a policy yeah. choice that they make. And they they recognize that manufacturing is critical to those middle class uh, jobs that are so important to an economy. So uh, that's a, that's an example of a policy choice that we haven't made here in Ontario. If only she fought this hard for any other manufacturer. We, we've lost 350,000 jobs in this province over the last uh, 14 years. And it's just unfortunate that, that there's not the same, you know... Um, care for those lost jobs but you know trudeau really angered uh the unions jerry diaz who i think has way too much power i mean he's got a seat in in this whole negotiation of nafta and he hates nafta but he came out swinging today at trudeau Mm -hmm. basically saying that he he was sold out take a listen the federal government just just announced that they signed the tpp deal with with japan and other nations which seriously undermines our auto industry here in canada and it couldn't come at a worse time. I'm sitting in Montreal. I'm in the hotel where we're renegotiating NAFTA. And, and what are the two big pieces? The auto industry, because that's why what Donald Trump used to blow up NAFTA in the first place, or is talking about blowing up NAFTA in the first place. And the second piece, of course, is about labor standards. It's about driving up the standard of living for Mexican workers. It's about making sure that we have fair trade where one nation isn't, isn't undermining another one. And the shoe drops today right in the middle of all of this, which causes us, frankly, some major grief. Look, this is a union that campaigned heavily for Mr. Trudeau. You've got them angered now. You've got indigenous people who feel like they've been, you know, First Nations people feel like they've been used. The vets feel like they've been used. I mean, you know, you reap what you sow. But, uh, you know, is this the end of the love between the unions and, and, and Trudeau? Well, I think it adds up over time. And it's an example of... Running for office is, is a lot hard, a lot easier than being in office, and yeah. I think that you know that's what the the prime minister is facing here. I think you know what you look at Jerry Diaz, what he's saying. He's been very consistent on that forever in his entire career, and he's not wrong in that these are the objectives that that the unions want. They want to raise the standard of worker, not race to the bottom of who's got the cheapest labor, and that's a very consistent positioning, and he articulates it well. Yeah, well, it's interesting to me that he's so far, seemingly so far offside that they would not have brought him along. He was an important ally uh, to Trudeau's uh, election, as as you point out. We, you know, I'm led to believe he's a close friend of Jerry Butts, uh, the the prime minister's closest advisor. So you would have think there would have been the channels of communications available to them to talk about it, uh, and I assume there were. But clearly, there was a calculation made uh, to move forward with this with this uh, trade partnership. I agree with it. I I think we should. We should seek as a country to sign good trade deals. Yeah. Uh, um, but you know, I you know as well. I think Jerry is fighting for an old idea of of auto manufacturing. The future of manufacturing, auto manufacturing in this in this country, to find success is going to be rely on heavy R and D, innovation, automation, yeah. and and there's just not going to employ as many people as it used to, and, and that's the trend. So what he should be fighting for, uh, I mean, he should welcome trade, but he should be asking for with that uh, government support for research and development, in particular, uh, res- uh, support for more skilled trades and. and uh, apprenticeship programs that's what's going to help uh, this sector so then maybe that's the strategy that they they you know sign tpp piss off the unions uh, like a guy like jerry diaz but then when nafta dies they can say well look we signed what we thought was the better deal and and we're working with our manufacturing parts by by ridding of nafta i don't know what their strategy would be but clearly they didn't feel like uh 
uh, they were severing ties. Well, I think pandering is a long, proud Canadian tradition of the federal <laughs> government. The you know yeah. we we certainly saw yeah, the Conservative government cozy up with the auto workers, put taxpayer money in, do all of these different supports to support that because they believed it was part of the economy. Liberals do the same thing. So it's not that it's a Trudeau thing; it's a liberal thing. It has been the path of least resistance. But if that if that's the approach Canada is going to take, we should be. Uh, serious about it and be consistent about it and you know we don't know the depth like i don't know what the details are of tpp i'm just reading these stories and they're very thin so i don't really know what's got like how big the burr is under his saddle or whether he's just rattling because the details are going to be going to come out that he can then declare victory in two days yeah look there's always an angle on every single side you know the devil is always in the detail but no question. Uh, our Prime Minister, again, pulling out the progressive platitudes, you know, lecturing, uh, you know, the room on on hiring and promoting women. Like, who's he playing to? I'm a woman. I don't need this. Honestly, I, just, I find it just so nauseating. I just don't need this. Yeah, I mean, virtue signaling is his stock and trade. Uh, it, you know, in part, it's what helped get him elected. It's what he seems to like to do. He is He's great in the ceremonial sort of roles of, of the job. Well, he, then he should be the governor general. Maybe he applied for the here, wrong here. job. Here, here. Like, I... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there you go. I mean, maybe he My conscience is clean. (laughs) But again, if you really want to talk about progressive platitudes and you really want to talk about your progressive agenda and how important women are, I would actually prefer him to do that at the United Nations. I would rather him tell Iran and Saudi Arabia and all the despots of the world. That would impress me. I I would give him a standing ovation. I I just... And then I'd fall over. You know, I just think live your values. You know, he's prime minister of this country. Do what he thinks is best. Uh, but going around browbeating your your economic partners, your trading partners, I don't think is a way to win friends. They are not looking for lessons from us on how to how to conduct their affairs. And I think he misses that. He needs to make the business case why these countries uh, should be uh, doing business with Canada. Make the business case for good governance, good good ethics and business. Sure, but the virtue signaling and the preaching—it's just—it's falling on deaf ears and probably turning people off a little bit. Yeah. Well, the dictatorship that he admires so much certainly didn't like it. So. Uh that's how that went the last time. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this teachers union sounding the alarm over an issue we know about, but is it more about an election? We'll talk about that coming up. I'm Alex Pierce, and this is On Point here on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. 832 here on this Tuesday. David Wills here with us and Mike Van Solen. Let's talk a little bit about the teachers union, the biggest teachers union, I will point out, sounding the alarm on an issue that we have heard for a while uh, about this explosion of violence in the uh, classroom. Last year alone in Waterloo, 1,300 acts of violence were reported against teachers. A large part of this problem is that a lot of students with special needs, autism, are being put in with regular kids. So the teachers say we don't have any resources or proper specialized training to deal with these kinds of outbursts. Is this a election ploy or a real concern, in your it, view? Well, it's both, for sure. The you know it, It's not a new thing that they're bringing up. The, the trend of violence in the classroom against teachers has been yeah. going in the wrong direction. Uh, so they're bringing it up. The fact that you bring it up during an election year means that hopefully people may pay more attention to this. 
And I think that this is the first that we're going to see of a bunch of things. Uh, you know, the violence against personal support workers, oh, yeah. also dramatic. Violence against nurses, also dramatic. And these things are all going to become like... A hashtag one, campaign. Th- this is, these organizations are saying, hey, you know, they're going to pay attention to me and they're going to talk about my issue because I'm going to make them because there's two other parties that are going to bring it up and make it uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to poop too much on the frontline workers because, it, to me, that they're not the issue. They do their job. They they, they work hard. They're mm-hmm. taken care of very well. But to me, I think it also speaks to the issue that this is the one premier. This was an education premier. This was supposed to be the education liberals. This was someone who was an activist for much of her early career. And over the last 14 years, you've had, you know, uh, families with autism in the, that have been completely abandoned. And now yeah. all these years later, these kids are being dumped into classrooms and the teachers have been left to deal with it. And they, they didn't bargain for that. No, I, and I, I think there is a real issue here. So I, I don't want to make light of, of it. You know, you, we see yeah. evidence. I think David's right. Uh, and, and no one deserves to go into a workplace and feel threatened and, and all those pieces. Um and, and we do see, see the loose, loosing sort of bonds of social structures that existed before. I, I, I'm sure it's good that we've moved from the day that we had the strap and corporal punishment. But I don't know. <laughs> I came from that generation. There was a use for it at some point. Yeah. Oh, I got it. I'm good. It's yeah, gone. Yeah. <laughs> we all grew up but, normal, right? <laughs> yeah, but, but the teacher Thank today you. can't hand a teacher today can't hand out a backhanded compliment without uh, you know getting in trouble Part or of the something. Problem. You know, you know. Um, but uh, but I have no doubt that the the union will use this to leverage uh, for to ask for a whole bunch of things that really have nothing to do with this sort of core issue, um, and it is an election year, and this is what people do. They, yeah, but uh, so they, what they does, raise their issues? What does the premier do? It's not like she can dig into the person, give them more money. People would freak out. Well, that that's the problem. That you know, she's backed into a corner. I, I mean, we've seen this through for for the liberal government, even with college teachers. Uh, yeah. Dalton gave them the a ridiculously generous. Uh, um, a settlement. OPP, uh, yeah, got, and, like and, and and that keeps them keeps uh, you know groups like that happy for a few years, and the next contract comes around, and they're back they're back at the trough. So it's really hard to buy friends in politics, and and that's what you learn, especially that's what a fifteen year government learns. Yeah. Well, I think we have to step back and look at how much we're funding per kid in the school system, because we look at the number, and you you know on the on one side people could say, well, it's been going up by this, 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 and this. But if you look at it, how much is it going up per student, which never enter, seems to enter the conversation, I think that's what we should be looking at. Because, you know, at the risk of sounding like an old fogey and parents, like, and I think that's where we have, it's like, oh, in my day, the kids were more respectful. I'm not sure that's really changed. I think it's always changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that there is a problem in the schools that, that you've, you've put on, which is there used to be classes where teachers were trained, they were smaller, where those students could get the attention that yeah. they needed. And when it's not there, they act out in different ways. And it's it's for you know a bunch of different issues. And that's a real problem. And I think the fact that a union raises it during an election year is not a bad thing because, yeah, that thing costs money. Like that fix costs money. And sorry, but that's a tough decision. And if you got to raise taxes to meet that obligation, you got to have that adult conversation with the voter. And they don't want to have that. Well, no, but if they hadn't cut funding for these special groups, we wouldn't be in the dilemma we are today. Agreed. So, you know... It, to me, it's just they f- failed a long time ago, and it's now just coming to, to a head now. Let's talk about this uh, Canada Summer Jobs uh, Program. Is this a misfire? Because even the most left-leaning publications, the Toronto Star says it overreaches, a pro-choice group that was urging government to cut 
funding for pro-life groups in the Canada Summer Jobs Program wants it rewritten. They say it's gone too far. And now you've got Newfoundland Liberal MP Scott Sims, who's gone completely off script, and he's actually petitioning his own government to reverse the clause that he says is unfair. So, you know, everyone's saying it's overreaching, and for whatever reason, Trudeau is doubling down on this. So is this, where do you see this going? I think they're going to back. I think they're going to walk it back. I, I feel like this one is simmering and growing and growing, and there'll be an increasing number of groups. Uh, the the issue is they're trying to get, you know, what they want to do is be able to say that certain really offensive groups shouldn't be able to access these grants. That's what they're really trying to do. But instead, they're offensive trying, to whom? To to them? I mean, what's to, offensive to you might not be offensive to me. Might be, you know, no, what I mean, they've no, decided I, what's offensive. But but I think it's. I think they're trying to get at, you know, funding, truly funding, preventing funding from going to truly radical groups. Okay. So there's other ways to deal with that, though, mm-hmm. like put, putting in this clause and making everybody make, make an attestation to uh, supporting uh, free choice um, is not how you do it. Uh, you can, there's a whole bunch of little structures you could do, governance structures you could create within the program to have a final check. Does this group, uh, should this group get the funding? So I could see them walking this back. I, I, it's an overreach. It's asking groups that, that are really trying to do great work in the community, uh, you know, Christian groups, uh, you know, certainly, uh, who, and, and the, the programs, what they're looking to do, the funding, use the funding for has nothing to do with what the government could ever have a concern for. So, uh, yeah, I predict they walk this back. Well, they're walking it back, but they've got like the minister, the employment minister going out on every show, doubling down and then saying to our own Vasi, uh, Vashi uh, Kepalos uh, that they I mean, actually might expand it to, to other areas. That, that, like to me, it's like they're going way further down the road than they should. They should be actually listening to some of the headlines that are out there. Oh, 100%. Like, I'm going to mix a couple of sports metaphors here. So, first of all, it's in like in the spirit of the Australian Open. This is an unforced error. Yeah. Like, this is all of their own doing. Right. Because Mike is right. If they don't want to fund those types of jobs, there's mechanisms to do it. And we all probably support that. And I think we'd support it on an entire spectrum of certain types of advocacy work where you're asking for a change in a law or change in something else. We shouldn't be funding that. That's, you know, there's, there are different things. But when a Christian organization that wants to have um, a summer camp has to tick that box where it's not part of their religious values but has nothing to do with the job, that's just silly. Uh, but I think the, the idea of expanding this, uh, you know, it's good for our business here because we'll have lots to talk about um, yeah, you know, sure. time and time again. But, you know, it is one of these things of they're not, they're listening to each other right now. In a bubble. And saying, we need to double down on this and show that we're strong, that we are really protecting reproductive rights and has nothing to do no, it's with policy. reproductive so rights. So quickly, just before I let you go, what's the damage then if they have to walk this back after going so far down the road on this thing? I, I don't know that there'll be serious damage. Uh, you know, it's it's another little nick in the armor. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we've seen, we've seen the liberal support sort of slowly eroding. Um, uh, a nick in the armor, the, this is not a fatal wound. Uh, they just need to do it. Death by a thousand cuts? Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's nobody out there saying you must stand firm on this. I haven't heard one voice on that. Yeah, look, if they keep doubling down and this thing gets into a court, they're going to have real problems. Out of chips. Yeah. All right, guys, thanks so much. It's David Wills joining us and Mike Van Solen joining us tonight for CounterPoint.